Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie lovers, welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie. Today we go hunting. That's right, as we talk about Shane Black's The Predator. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, and movie lovers. It is Dimitri Panos and I. Hey, hey. What's going on, movie fans? And Phil, That's you right. and I together again. That's right. My name is not I. It is Phil Tech. <laughs> For those uninitiated. First off, we should welcome everyone to the show. If you're a brand new listener, brand new watcher, or a returning customer, well, good for you. We Either way, we, we love having you on the show. Participate. There's a comment section. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on this movie. I'm sure there, there are going to be plenty. Speaking of which, let me also kind of say this for those of you who aren't familiar. Yes, we give our opinion. Uh, that is what we're here to do, but we're also here to give fact and information, so we, we go beyond just our opinions and yeah. review. We go into the storytelling, we go into the mechanics, the how and the why, in terms of the making of, and of course the box office, which is the culmination of any movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, aside from that, just based off that sort of description, you can probably tell that we're going to be very spoiler-filled to that note. Uh, as you can imagine, we're going to talk about the entirety of Predator franchises. So it's not just going to be this movie. If you haven't seen the other ones or just don't care, you've been warned. It is spoiler-filled. Yeah, and and I think it's fair to say, though, that this movie is a direct sequel to Predator 2, to the first two movies. Everything else in between, they they, they sort of kind of retconned. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they did some really cool, cool little Easter egg things that we can talk about a little bit later, but... Uh, yeah, it, it's sort of fun knowing that uh, it, it is a direct sequel to the original Predator movies, the first two anyways. Mm-hmm. And last but not <clears throat> least, speaking of little Easter eggs and, and fun tidbits, you can get our rundown. It's in the description. It's a little PDF link. You click it, and uh, that way you can follow along or just, just read the various notes that we sometimes might not get to. Sure. You know, we're a jam-packed show, generally about an hour, but that doesn't mean we can't cover it all within that hour. Where we always like to begin is with our thoughts on the movie to, to kind of dive into it. So, Demetri, what did you think sure. of The Predator? Uh, yeah, I, I thought this movie was fun. Uh, I was in as soon as they said uh, Shane Black and Fred Decker. So Shane Black, Fred Decker, 
they co-wrote uh, a favorite, one of my favorite Halloween time movies uh, called The Monster Squad. Fred Decker also did this other cool little B-movie horror movie called Night of the Creeps. And when they work together, it's just a good old time. And so I was in. I was on board. Uh, I like Shane Black as a writer. Uh, obviously, the gentleman has written Lethal Weapon. Most recently, uh, he's directed movies like Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, uh, The Nice Guys, uh, two movies of which I, I, I enjoy thoroughly. Uh, I like his dialogue and even now the way he directs. So also uh, Iron Man 3, which yes. again was polarizing to people, but I enjoyed so I was in as soon as they said that he's going to be doing The Predator. And I thought it was a nice little th- 360, in a sense, being that he was an actor in the very first Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So all in. And the movie delivered to me what I had expected from a Shane Black kind of movie. I had actually read uh, or I'd seen somewhere as this movie the Predator described as a very violent, gory monster squad. And when I saw the movie, I was like, that's very apropos. That's that's what this movie is. You had a squad of these misfits, in a sense, fighting monsters. Or And, and it was violent. It was gory. It's very blue. The, the, the language is, it, it's very R. Uh, and all, for all those reasons, I had a really good time. I found myself laughing. I thought the action was directed really well. It was paced fine for me. Um, it's not Mission Impossible. We've had some amazing action movies this past summer. And I'm not saying it's up at that higher echelon. But for $88 million, I thought they made a fun movie. And you can go to the movies and have fun. Fair enough. I... I think $88 million is a little high for this, and now it's probably due to a lot of the reshoots, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised you usually say this, you usually give the, the phrase that this is a movie, you got to check your brain in a door. This, to me, is, is definitely one of those movies you got to check your brain in at the door. Mm-hmm. In fact, just don't even bring it to the theater. <laughs> don't, just leave it at home. I, you know, from that perspective, you can have fun with it. Uh, it there is a lot of things in this movie that, it, under today's kind of more PC culture, you kind of scratch your head at. But if you're looking for that kind of callback to the '80s, the old action t- movie of of that nature, um, I think it works. I don't think. And here's the thing: I've I'm a confession here. I've never I've yet to see a Predator movie except for this one. Now, okay. by that same token, I kind of understand what the first Predator is. Like, I, I'm sure it's uh, definitely a great action movie to some extent, but it's, it, it's not going to end up in the Criterion Collection by any means. You never know. I mean, they just released Fox did release not too long ago a special anniversary edition of it. I mean, look, the original Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, again, you can easily say the same thing. Check your brain in at the door. But it's a fun movie. It's a it's a fun action movie. It, there is a lot of machismo in Predator, and the dialogue in Predator again. It was it's a it's a sign of the eighties. It's when Schwarzenegger was beginning. To, he was just beginning to knock it out of the park outside of his Terminator character, so to speak. Right. 
So this movie had a lot of that quote unquote machismo, but I also liked Olivia Munn in this movie. So yeah, I did. I, I, I thought she was uh, one of the better aspects. You know, to be honest, I appreciate that she was in there. I would have liked to see a little bit more strength from her as a mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as far as the action and so forth, yeah, I, I, I thought it was the middle of the road. Like, I don't know if I can recommend it. Like, it's a must see in the theaters. Believe it or not, even though we were big advocates of that here. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think if there's anything that I can point to, and I want to kind of kick things off this way, is bigger better? Is bigger better? Yeah, I mean, well, you did touch on something that made me smile, and you said PC. Mm-hmm. Movies don't necessarily need to be PC. Actually, that's one of the things that a movie that's rated R can try to get away with. And yes, this movie's not PC. Um and if you watch 80s movies, they would not, a good handful of them, would not be considered PC today, but it doesn't make them any less good movies. I actually applauded the fact that they went for for this R rating and that they really weren't PC. Um, yeah, I'm not one that gets easily offended Marissa and I talked about that Happy Time Murders movie, which mm-hmm. wasn't PC, but it wasn't very funny either. No, it was not. So um, this movie wasn't PC, but I did find the rapport between these this 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 squad of misfits. I found the dialogue to be funny. Um, is bigger better? Well, I did see it in IMAX. Uh, I enjoy watching a movie like this on that big screen, and I had a far better experience than, say, if I had watched it on TV for the first time. Well, let me rephrase. Is a bigger predator better than a regular predator? I wish we saw... Okay, to that point, I I wish we had more of the bigger predator. It seemed to take a long time to dispatch with the predator that we're accustomed to that seemed to come from 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 the first two movies into this upgraded predator i wish we got that sooner in the movie mm-hmm. um it's because that's a much more formidable force like it seems that a lot of that action came in the last act of the movie mm-hmm. right when they're fighting that i would have liked them to be to have been fighting that creature sooner mm-hmm. so yeah you know. for, for all intents and purposes i mean i'm sort of let down that shane black's vision didn't come to fruition mm. uh there, there's plenty of articles out there and I, I believe mashable has a has a whole thing written about what shane's original vision was to what ended up on screen and i really do believe because i lo- I, I also like shane black as well that that would have been a far stronger movie. He went more for the comedic aspects and the outrageous aspects, and as you're pointing out, the rated R version. And I think the the studio tinkered and made it more kind of serious. Yeah, and and it's funny because when you put it that way, it's the same studio. It's 20th Century Fox, so they own the Predator franchise. They also own the Alien franchise, uh, and. You can almost make a parallel with that Mashable article that David Fincher, who directed Alien um, Alien 3, he actually got taken off the project. 
like because of his vision not being realized by executives at 20th Century Fox. And sometimes you just have to wonder, um, we, we, we talk about this. Yes, I would have liked to have maybe seen more of Shane Black's vision. Uh, but when do they step in? Uh, they didn't take the movie necessarily away from him. But yeah, I, I you know, somebody tinkered that wasn't Shane Black. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting that it's the same studio that the Alien franchise that Fox has desperately tried to mash yeah. together with two movies that didn't really do well, right? And in in instances, sequels uh, were tinkered with by executives and maybe one, you know, maybe it didn't come out as well. Or if they just stayed with that vision, they could have had a better movie. Yeah, and what's interesting, I mean, we've talked about this with Disney movies in particular of of recent past, mm-hmm. particularly Marvel movies, but also the uh, the Han Solo movie. And, you know, what's interesting to note about this, like, yes, you're part of a franchise and whatnot, but you're not Marvel. You're not having to build a cinematic universe. And and in that respect, like, if you made these changes just to make a changes to, to create this bigger franchise, in, you know, and universe, really? What's it, what's it worth? Exactly, I don't uh, disagree. Um, so, so that that's primarily what I'm sad and sad, sad at because there's a couple of you know uh, ver- various plot holes that that stick out like a sore thumb and and just what I've read, it sounds a far more interesting. Like the like the predator kind of there is is supposed to be warning us of a, of an attack and things right. like that, and I appreciated that also. You, since you know the lore, again, this is my first one, so I'm only coming in with researched information, right. not not firsthand knowledge. But the helmet is supposed to bring about certain added benefits, and yet it seemed like helmet or no helmet, these added benefits were there. The the, the helmet's added benefits, you know, at least according to this movie and from the first Predator movie, was just basically a lot of. Uh, um, scanning type of, you know, being able to suss out and parse out heat signature, voices, targeting to an extent. Um, That's, you know... But they were able to do it without the helmet this time. The Predators? Yeah, Yeah. well, and don't... Well, the Predator itself is a pretty formidable creature. In reading various things, people say, oh, he's this he's this apex hunter who's looking for similar apex hunters on Earth to try to level the playing field. I go, I'm like, no, no, there's nothing level about being able to turn invisible. <laughs> like, that's just not fair. <laughs> like, you can't turn invisible on your opponent. If your opponent can't see you, that's sort of kind of not fair. I don't care if it's Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever. And it comes down to uh, the wits of the character, so to speak. But even with the mask off, and there is a funny throwback, actually. There's a funny throwback to the original Predator. Um, Predator is still a pretty damn tall specimen and pretty strong creature who has you know the the claws uh freddy krueger type these like wolverine claws that come out that can slice you in half he can lift you and snap you he can take your skull and like rip your head off and rip your spine out so he's still a formidable character without weapons in the helmet 
But the helmet is another one of those aspects of the character. Like, if you're saying he's trying to look for a fair fight, it's like, no, there's nothing fair about the fight at mm. all. If anything, humans are trying to level the playing field to take away the technology uh, that he has. So, you know, uh, even without his mask, to your point, uh, it's still a formidable creature to to, to, to fight up against. And that was shown in the first one, and I believe the second one with mm-hmm. Danny Glover. Yeah, there's a there's a funny callback. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger says, "You are one ugly motherfucker." motherfucker. Yes, that's the. Call- <laughs> and then here she says, um, "You're one beautiful motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. And I was like, "Oh, that's funny." <laughs> and it's funny that Olivia Munn's saying that. Anybody who's a fan of the first one, I said, "Ah, I like that." And again, it's using it's using motherfucker. We talked a lot about brother fucker. Uh, well, don't spoil ago. that. Don't spoil but, that. Um, yeah, again, that's kind of the blue language uh, that's in this. That's riddled throughout this movie. Absolutely. Um, all right, so let, let's let, let's dive in on the plot, right? Sure. Um, you know, uh, overall, it kicks things off with with one of the main characters, Quinn, and he sees something. He sees the predator, and then there's a, essentially a big cover up of it, um, and they want to deem him insane, even though the government is well aware of these right. predators. Um, and so, kind of maybe perhaps an inspiring story, you know, if if you're a wannabe scientist and whatnot, and you write into the government, eventually they might hire you, depending on what your right. field of interest is. I'm pointing to, of course, Casey Brackett, Olivia Munn's character, <laughs> who gets called in. Um, and then from there, kind of things kick off. Yeah. Uh, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, as a plot overall, it's rather simplistic, which I think works in its favor. Sure. You know? I mean, the original Predator is sort of kind of simplistic, too. And well, what I at least appreciate is... is the trying to tie into the first two, they make nods to the first two movies, and they don't they don't try to like cover it up. They said, "Jesus, we know that this happened. We knew that these predators have come here before to hunt. We we set up an agency for it." Um, and then you know when Quinn McKenna falls upon this, who Boyd Holbrook I thought was really good uh, in this movie as the retired Special Forces Army Ranger. Yeah, I mean, he sees something that he's told pretty much. He's basically being like, he sees it, he knows it, he tells his story. People don't want him to tell his story because they know it's true. So they're pretty much sending him off to a loony farm. Pretty much they were saying that they were either going to be lobotomized yeah. or, or, or killed, right? Yeah. So that's pretty dark. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was. Uh... This was like a Suicide Squad in, in an essence. In an yeah. And what I, what I loved, I, I I love the introduction of all of these characters because you got a little bit of their backstory in, in a very quick amount of time. And then when it comes to his turn, the the way he says it, like basically I saw an alien and whatnot. And they're like, well, they, they thought we were crazy. <laughs> I saw an alien once. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I liked. Okay, I liked the backstories too. Um, particularly, um, well, Thomas Jane's character, um, and, um, Braxley, Braxley and Baxley, Baxley and Key, um, uh, 
Coil. Baxley and Coil's character I found to be very, very interesting characters together, as well as that commanding officer guy who said, what are you here for? And he says, I shot my commanding officer. And you thought it was uh, like an act of uh, defiance, of mutiny. And you find out a little bit later on he tried to kill himself. Right? And, and like all these little tidbits, I'm like going, okay, they're actually adding layers to these characters. And for me, it was making them uh, likable because of their flaws, or they were suffering from PTSD is essentially what happened. And Baxley and Coyle, I mean, those characters, Coyle accidentally, through friendly fire, wiped out Baxley's troop, and leaving the Baxley was the only one alive. And you get that, and it's a funny thing, because... It was the actors and Shane Black who actually sat down together and said, all right, well, let's make more backstory for these characters. And it's like, okay, well, there's going to be a court thing. And these two have to see each other in court like every day. And they hate each other. And then by the process of court and everything, at the end of the day, they end up walking out going, hey, you want to get a cup of coffee? You know, right, and, and you get that there was a love-hate relationship between these two guys. And I just sort of like how they hash that out. They're two very likable characters who have their own way of dealing with the tragedy of war that they had to deal with. So, I mean, I didn't find it to be a disrespectful movie to, to soldiers. And I found the camaraderie amongst these men to be so, so, one of the things that actually I like the movie. Mm-hmm. About, but particularly those two characters, they were funny together. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, I mean, I found this movie to be humorous, a, a lot more humorous than I anticipated. And I, I, I would point to that as the the Shane Black effect of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, and the Fred Decker, absolutely, absolutely. So, a hundred percent. Now, it's interesting, you know, kind of as far as this whole movie was advertised or, or you know brought to life is. The Predator essentially comes to a suburban town, which, you know, hasn't really happened. And so I, I think that's an interesting premise because uh, although it, for me what's funny is that they don't use that as an as a bigger element. Granted, there is that Halloween aspect and right. the, the house blows up and whatnot. But um, as far as civilians and whatnot, it never reaches that depth as far as um, danger. Right. That I was expecting, but um, not to say it was it was necessarily a bad choice, but yeah, I mean, what we end up getting, and it is to your point too, that I wouldn't have minded. I mean, I agree with you. I wouldn't have minded if that 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 uh, that B plot of basically the, the the original Predator, let's call it, is coming to Earth to give us tech or to give us a warning that we're about to be under siege or how to protect us, and the the upgraded predator is coming back to hunt the predator down and not so much like everybody in its path it's going to kill it had this one mission to do and i found the whole premise of the ecosystem and you know how we can save ourselves it just was never really played up that much yeah. and i agree with you it might have been a stronger story had it been that, and it would have lent more 
like we would have had the Predator, not the upgraded Predator, but the Predator on our side as we're fighting the upgraded Predator, which didn't really, eh, that didn't materialize at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it became a different movie. Well, so so explain kind of that side of it, right? What, what, the thing that I think ultimately for me ends up being, like I got it, but it ends up being somewhat confusing and, and convoluted was, um, hey, I need McKenna. And I get why, um, but he, he doesn't need Quinn McKenna. He needs Rory McKenna, the, the son, um, of course. And so I got it, but I didn't quite get it. And then, of course, there's the addition of, like, a predator dog. Right. Which we Ooh. didn't necessarily need. No. Uh, I'll, I'll cop to that. You know? Mm-hmm. And the Rory McKenna thing is... Again, this is a person that um, purposely written. He was on this the the, the the spectrum, and in a sense, he's a rain kid, and he's able to figure things out. Um, and I think because of his 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 affliction, he became in a sense a superhero, and he became what could ultimately bring down. The, the upgraded Predator. And I think that's why that kid became such a focal point in the movie is because of what he was able to see mm-hmm. um, in ways that us mere mortals can't look at math the same <laughs> way. Because it came down to looking at fractals and stuff that I don't understand. I mean, he, he became a scientist at 12. <laughs> he had a desk. Yeah. He was part of the project. <laughs> you know, because he understood it. So that's the that's what I... I don't know. How did you see it? Um, I mean, I think it's. I I I wish there was something other that really foretold of his skills to just say that he's good at computer games and he he has autism, and this is what separates him to be this um, better than human version. I I like the sentiment that you know what, just because you have autism doesn't mean that you know you're quote unquote have a disability like you're you're equally able to accomplish certain things in fact in this case better but uh i don't know i looked at him as 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 a person who could easily put things together and when he came across uh not only the predator helmet but the forget what it was let's call it the hard drive Mm -hmm. that showed i don't know what it was showing but he was able to piece things together so and I did like the fact that, you know, again, it was not disrespectful, I thought, to a, a, a child with autism or anything. And in fact, it, it more showed it in a, in a, in, in a positive light mm-hmm. that, you know, this character ended up contributing and was still able to have a heart and still be, uh, you know, and, and still fit in mm-hmm. with you know, his dad. And and and, the, and those around him, absolutely. But that was a positive thing. I I agree. I agree. And you, you know, one of the stronger points for me was those those slower moments, the moments of bonding. Um, you know, and to a degree, I wish there was a couple more between whether uh, you know both McKenna's and also just Casey. Not that I wanted a love interest. Um, you know, I get that he's he's divorced at this point but i didn't need a rekindling of any kind whether with the ex-wife or casey but just some of those heartfelt moments i think 
could have perhaps added. And I know it's an action movie, so you generally don't have too many of those. But Right. You know, though, uh, to your point, I can add to this that when um, Shane Black, when, when they originally went to Olivia Munn, she turned it down. You want to know why she turned it down? She said, you know, 99.9% of the times when a woman takes a role like this, it ends up being the love interest. And I, I, I didn't want to be, I don't want to be the love interest. And it took Shane Black had to go to her and convince her and show her the script and go, you're not the love interest. He's like, don't worry about it. Like, you're going to be your own character. And when Shane Black had reached out to her personally, she had already been a fan of Shane Black and she really didn't want to turn the opportunity down. But after he explained to her how this character was going to be, she was like, I was thrilled to death. I, I had to jump at the chance to, to, to work uh, with him. And he was right. And he kept my character true. Mm-hmm. So that's it's interesting that you brought up romantic interest. And I didn't need that either. And there really wasn't much of a... Like when you look at things like the original Predator, there is a female character in it. Um, and again, that movie too doesn't... Um, it doesn't. They don't go into romance too much. No, in that movie. Um. So let's let's talk about the predator and kind of the evolution, if you will. Sure. And um, you, you know, when I guess we could to to an extent talk about how they kind of made it as well in terms of the production because I do like the you know it's it does look human esque in terms of its overall shape, and so obviously in that in that perspective you can always put a human inside a suit. And I, I like that ability. Yeah, and and uh, so is uh, a gentleman by the name of Brian Prince plays the Predator, the uh, for lack of better words, the original Predator from from the eighties that we all know and love. Uh, this guy on his own, six foot nine and a half inches, and he's a parkour artist, and he's the Predator. And once he was costumed fully as the Predator. He loaned he loaned over seven feet in height. That's pretty tall. So uh, Prince goes on and he says, you know, they 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 told me what to be prepared for. He goes because it really gets hot in the suit and it's restrictive. He goes, he's originally from Georgia, and he says, wow, you know, it's really hot and it gets humid there. He goes, I can do that, not a problem. Still, because it was hotter than I would have ever imagined. One thing that really surprised Prince was all the help he required. Not only getting into the suit, but throughout the day, he had the suit on. He's like, I had my own team of people, and like I couldn't bend over and pick something up. <laughs> he goes, or or eat or drink. He goes, which I had to do. So he had done stunt work, uh, but he was new to this, and. Uh, you know, there were times when he was fully suited up and like, okay, let's do this. I'm ready to go. And hours would go by and he was just sitting there in the suit, <laughs> as happens on a movie set. You hurry um, up and wait. Yeah, hurry up and wait. So uh, his mask, uh, which we had, um, we, we we had, I forget. Oh, well, there it is. It's in the Predator thing right here. The poster. Um, like from the poster. Uh, it was created from a mold of Prince's head and fit very snugly. On and the mask was tight, but not just tight enough. And in those moments when I had to do hard jerking movements, the mask shifted and bruised and cut into my nose. So, uh, ugh, you know, what a job. But what's interesting here is that that predator was practical for the most part with the 
upgraded Predator was pretty much CG. They had to go about because they just couldn't do that practically. I get Talk it. to Peter Jackson. He'll give you some perspective. Right. Literally. <laughs> so, but get the, the head. The head weighs between seven and nine pounds. And with dreads and slime, it's about ten. So he has to have this on his head. That's a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight. Ten pounds, you you might look at him and be like, yeah, that's nothing. It's when you're having to carry ten pounds on your head. Yeah. And so uh, Gillis, um, they were of... uh, this Alec Gillis and Tom Woodward Jr. They co-own Amalgamated Dynamics, and they were the designers of this uh, suit, the creature. Uh, Gillis um, goes on to say, "Hey, he, he, he was telling Prince. He goes, you know, man, goes, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. You get to go down in history as one of the few people who have ever played a predator." You know, by the ways, it's going to be miserable. <laughs> so, well, trying to make it not so miserable for the guy. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so that's how they—that's what this prince gentleman had to go through. And that 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 helmet too—it's fiberglass. And he goes, "It's almost like you're impossible to hear anything uh, going on." So. Yeah, yeah, he had a lot to, you know, take the head off just to, you know, he had to take the head off and mask just to get a break. (laughs) So, yeah, he went through his hardship, and he did a good job. You know, when you say, like, things like, he's so restrictive he couldn't bend over, I'm watching the movie, and I'm, like, going, he seemed pretty agile. Yeah. Like, you know, so he did a good job. He pulled it off, absolutely. He did. And, you know, you can't, you can't have a Predator Mm. movie where you don't buy into the Predator. No. And... You know, even though people aren't buying the movie as much, you, you can't fault. I, I really think they they pulled off the Predator quite well. In it. I thought so too. Yeah, I thought so too. And it, and again, they did it in a in a very thoughtful throwback kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if we want to talk a little bit too about throwback kind of way, there is family legacy within Predator. Um, in in two in two ways, um, in a sense. Number one, Shane Black um, is in the original Predator movie. He's part of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, commando team. And how he was brought on? He was brought on. He just uh, uh, he had written Lethal Weapon, right? And they wanted to bring Shane Black on to act in the movie, but also. To, to, to give a hand in the writing. And when they brought him on and told him this, uh, at the time, Shane Black just wanted to act. And he's like, no way, man. He's like, no way. He's like, I, I just, nope. You hire me as an actor. I don't want to write anything. You know, there's no need. You, you get a good script. I just want to act. And the producers were like, what a dick. Okay, fine. You'll act. He's in the movie. He's also the first guy that gets killed. <laughs> so he was out pretty soon. And Shane Black, admittedly, uh, he's been very candid about his past. And he said, yeah, yeah, I was a jerk. He goes, there was no need. He goes, I was a jerk. He goes, but I did get to work on that. Now I'm back now. and I want to make right and I can do all this. So that's one way in which it's paying homage to the Predator by bringing Shane Black back. Um, but Jake Busey's character, he's uh, 
plays Dr. Sean Keyes, uh, who studies Predator at the Project Stargazer. Well, I know you didn't see Predator 2. But I know Gary Busey. But Gary Busey is in Predator 2. Yeah. Uh, and, and Sean is the son of Peter Keyes, the government scientist, who, again, is looking for the Predator. So that's a nice, again, it doesn't blare out at you. Uh, and I've actually met him because uh, mm-hmm. he was on contact. And, you know, he's actually a really cool, really nice guy. But I thought that that's a nice little through line that doesn't jump out at you. And if you watch Predator 2, you go, he's, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I, mm-hmm. I sort of kind of like that. I thought that it was pretty cool. Yeah, they were the, able to tie that in nicely. There, there's definitely a lot of um, small Easter eggs, right, that you can sort of look at. Certainly those. Um, when she, uh, like, for example, in the actual um, lab, let's say, there, there's a lot of callbacks, like uh, the yeah. Xenomorph tail spe- sphere um, from AVP. So it's there if you want it and the weapons that were in the non-museum museum so to speak were from the original um movie um and what's interesting too is that shane black wasn't in the second movie at all but he and fred decker um and this allowed them to work together again as friends and and again i they just had fun and they do what i feel they do best and i don't know why fred decker doesn't get any more work but I don't know. They, they they took the time to at least appreciate the first two movies. Even though Shane Black dies early in the first one, still they still looked at the second one, um, which is on cable now. If you have, like, all the bazillion cable channels, yeah, you should look for it. It's free. Um, so, yeah, I think that they did a half-decent job of doing those little Easter egg-ish things. At the end of, if we're talking about Easter egg, at the end of... Uh, Predator 2, when Danny Glover goes on to the Predator ship. I know you haven't seen it, but he goes on. If you haven't seen it, this is going to be a spoiler. So uh, he sees uh, an alien head, mm-hmm. like the alien. So um, that's why there was always the oh, alien versus Predator. But anyways, uh, I, 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 I digress. I'm just talking no Predator Easter eggs. Because it's fun. Um, <clears throat> did you think... I mean, a lot of stuff took place at night, um, and generally that helps whenever you have to do CG or cover up certain things. Um, do you th- think it was shot too dark or no? No, I'll tell you why. Uh, if I want to keep this in within the Predator family of things, I'll tell you what's too dark. The last Alien vs. Predator movie is virtually unwatchable, particularly, especially on TV. I don't mm. care if it's this size. I mean, that was dark you can't see anything it's like turn on a freaking light or open the aperture to your lens let me see something you're right i think sometimes when you film it dark it allows you to cover up mistakes or it allows you to cover up a practical effect like wires and cable and things like that it's always wet i didn't find it to be too dark in the movie theater that I saw it in. If you had a theater that wasn't using the proper um, throw and the proper light lumens for the bulb and the projector, it may have been too dark. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't you, Larry Fong did the cinematography, yes. and he's known to do kind of more, quote-unquote, darker movies. Batman v Superman. I, I, I don't think there's a day shot in that entire movie. <laughs> 
I remember correctly. Uh, Watchmen, another dark yeah, yeah. movie that I also don't think ever saw the light of day. Um, there was something in snow, which was white. Um, he's done Kong Skull Island, so uh, so that had a lot, that of had a lot, lot yeah, more. A lot of jungle. Yeah, that, that was his break. Yeah. He's like, I want to see some sunshine. Well, let me ask you, did you find the movie to be too dark? No, but towards the towards certain parts, when when certain action did take place, I think um, because there's so many characters, you, you sometimes lose a couple aspects of it, and obviously you're focusing on the action at a given moment. But mm-hmm. I, I I kind of want to see okay, what's what's everyone else doing, and how's it all coming together? Rather than okay, he shoots this this dog, let's say, and then boom, the shot, and then oh, they're all dead. Great. Yeah. So that's just me. Um, but overall, overall, as an action movie, I thought um, the set pieces did work yeah, fairly. I mean, yeah, I think uh, Shane Black knows how to film action. And I didn't find it to be overly cut, overly mm-hmm. edited, overly shaky cam. Um, you know, Fong um, goes on. He does talk about much how, how much of the film was shot at night. And he's like, night usually means scary. Um, and the challenge too is the difference in scale of humans, a little human, the predator, giant predator. Um, you know, he was trying to provide shadow, dark light, freneticism, chaos that allows some of that scariness to come through. Um, I didn't find it to be a scary movie, but then again, I didn't think the first two predator movies were scary movies. They were what they were. And that's just action movies. That's, well, they, they have an intensity to them, certainly. Sure. I mean, you know, but John McTiernan did the first Predator. Um, I believe it was Steve Hopkins who did the second one. Uh, he was a gentleman that uh, did that. Uh, oh, God. He did um, a movie with Tommy Lee Jones and Jeff Bridges, which took place in Boston. Tommy Oof. Lee Jones is a terrorist. Uh, I but, remember. I mean, he's, he, you know, it's Steve Hopkins is a you know he's a pretty straightforward simple director knows how to shoot action not as well as John McTiernan say that again blown away yeah <laughs> not a bad movie actually filmed in our yeah filmed right in Boston Steve Hopkins is a good director but i think Shane Black too has matured i mean if anything he proved by doing Iron Man 3 is that he can direct big budget action and i don't think the predator had the budget that Iron Man 3 had but I think the way he he doesn't to me anyways he doesn't do it in a way where you're wondering what the hell's going on in mm-hmm. a gunfight. Yeah. So. Um. Well, here's a segue into it. Um. You know, I I I, I, I want to talk about it because essentially as kind of reviewers and journalists we have to and try to give you all the information. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to because it kind of brings attention to something negative. Um. Speaking of Iron Man three, there was um. Someone that Shane Black knew, an actor, I won't say his name, and then he gets cast in this. He he was supposedly set up the introduction of uh, Olivia Munn's character, and he's a known sex predator. Speaking of real predators, and uh, this leads to a big controversy, and Fox eventually takes the piece out of the movie. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you have an opinion on this? It's... Yeah, I mean, it's it's... I guess it's an opinion. Um, 
They were very serious charges. And from what I understand, this 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 person, uh, it was a sexual thing about he was being a predator to a 14-year-old girl online. It's a very serious charge. And it happened decades ago. Um, Shane Black, uh, as a friend, just trying to help the person out, you know, he gave him the job. Now, I think where the fault lies is that there was no... There's no accountability. I know he had done his time. He's a registered sex offender, um, but there was no accountability. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't give casting crew um, like a heads up to this. And while I believe that Shane Black had, you know, he was trying to do the the the, the he was trying to do a nice thing. Um, I think they didn't do necessarily the right thing. Uh, I know Olivia Mund was on TV, uh, and all this news broke, too, at perhaps what would have been one of the worst, most crucial times. And this was just prior to the movie's uh, premiere and debut at the Toronto International Film Festival. And Olivia Mund took it to heart, and as she should, and as any other person uh, on cast and crew, uh, that there, there was nothing... There was nothing said of this person coming on set. Now, there's nothing said that the person did anything or acted irresponsibly on set. Uh, doesn't forgive. I'm not saying that this would forgive that this person's actions. And I at least appreciate Shane Black trying to help somebody who's in a really bad case, who may have changed for all we know. I don't know the gentleman at all. But... There should have been, whether it was from 20th Century Fox or maybe Shane Black going to 20th Century Fox, they didn't vet the person, but they, they rarely vet these sort of things because why do you have to? An announcement should have been made. Um, mm -hmm. Give actors the opportunity. Now, I'm not saying that that would have gone well for that gentleman. You know, Olivia Munn, upon finding out, might have said, there is no freaking way I'm doing a scene with him at all. So maybe instead of putting, not putting them in the movie, you know, make them a grip or something. I don't know. Um, but I think the controversy, there was a cloud of this movie and it could have lent. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting controversy kind of then is, and, and, and it's being now cleared up, but Olivia ended up doing a lot of press by herself. Yes. And a lot of people weren't coming to her aid now. No. Um, you know, Sterling K. Brown and, and um, Holbrook have come out and said, you know, different and that have been in support of her. For example, Holbrook's statement is, I want to start by apologizing for the statement coming late uh, in the current conversation. I do not take any of what has gone on lightly, and I want to speak to the most honest and genuine place possible. I have stated before, and I will state it again, I am proud of Olivia for the way that she handled a difficult and alarming situation, and I am grateful for for. I am grateful that Fox took the information seriously and took action swiftly. Mm -hmm. So, but I wonder, like, did Olivia Munn? Because this goes into a deeper issue. Did she prior to? I mean, you're right. She 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 did a lot of press on her own mm -hmm. regarding this. And you know, did she go to executives at Fox first? Did she go to Shane Black first? Um, and it's your, and again, it just came at this very crucial time. 
And you're right. Many people were very quiet upon this because she was doing this. You know, it's by her doing what she's doing. I understand what I understand. And, and I, I don't disagree with, with it. It's just she's doing it at a time when people are trying to promote this movie. It's as a shell shock to it's as a shell shock to some of the people. Can't say it's a shell shock to Shane Black. He did apologize. Yeah, he did apologize a little bit later. Yep. And so it comes out, she does this, and everybody is like, okay, what are we doing? But you ultimately they do the right thing. And you come out, you apologize. Uh they acted swiftly, they took a scene out. And um you know, but but it also it just put that cloud on it. You just hope that going forward, right, that those executives and every other executive who's watching, that 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 just be a little more conscious about what may happen. In that, if a woman comes out uh, and says, "Whoa, you're putting me next to what?" and listen react as quick as you can um help well I, I think the biggest thing as far as preventative action is is just having more background checks <laughs> you know yeah they, they, but they, do you have to background check like every i mean think about it like in, in the i mean unfortunately know. the the answer is probably yes mm. you know i or you know, I don't know. It 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 sucks to go that route. But, I get it's going. It's like the but, TSA route of now everyone's got to do it. But. I get it, but but again, too, like when you think about how this business works a lot, too. He's a friend of Shane's. Shane's like, all right, I'm going to give you a small role. You'll be able to get a SAG card or something, but I'm going to help you out. Um, I, I understand from Shane Black's heart knowing it's a friend of his he did his time he's not the same man as he was when this happened he you know he's trying to help um but at the same time he should have known the type of jeopardy that and again i don't even know how it leaked out that this happened but yeah if i those details i don't know and and whatnot so and you know he to had to he had to have weighed this. I mean, somebody, I would think that somebody would have thought, okay, pros and cons here, especially in today's environment. If I'm putting you in this movie and it gets out, dude, that's my reputation on the line. Like, that's, <clears throat> and, and, and it's going to affect everybody else. Look, I'll get you a job, but I'm going to get you a job behind the scenes, you know, or, or as a grip or as, you know, something. <laughs> I just don't want you. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I don't I, know what you do. I, I I don't know necessarily what you do, but I, I do understand the perspective of that. You know, for maybe in, in Shane's eyes, the person had a tone, and furthermore, it's kind of just like okay, small role. If you bring any attention to it, 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 if you highlight it, then you bring attention to it rather than just like just let it be. I, I get that perspective, and unfortunately, it blew, blew up in his face. Yeah, you know, and and it, it's certainly no secret. Like when you're a director, you've got a lot on your mind, um, it, and this, I'm sure, was just kind of an innocent, okay, boom, boom, not really giving it. Like this sort of dissection of of really thinking about it, 
I'm sure is not what went into the decision making at the time. No. It, it was just a simple, okay, sure, let's, yeah, okay, fine. Sure. Um, all right. So, but you have to do the right thing. And, I, and, and albeit the response was late, uh, it still was the right thing. You had to stand up and take, um, you know, Olivia felt strongly enough. I mean, it wasn't, you know, and a, 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 as a woman, and she found it to be very offensive. And in today's world, you have to account for that and and uh, be sympathetic. Absolutely. So, you know. So all in all, I, I think, as you said, they did the right thing and they were able to pull it off. So kudos to them. And ultimately, to be honest, just in the way the scene's described, I don't think I really miss it, to be honest. Like, it's supposed to be an introduction of her character. I'm introduced just fine the way it is. So. Yeah. Um, I actually think it, it ended up being a better, a double blessing, if you will. Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, what's not a blessing is this Rotten Tomatoes score. Although it is higher, believe it or not, than a lot of other movies that we've also liked. Uh, right. 34% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. Which is, which is not obviously not great, but what also kind of combined doesn't make it great is a C plus on Cinema Score. No, no, I am definitely in a minority when it comes to to, to this movie, um, and I understand that, I get it, um, but no, not not at all. Uh, the movie was really not received that greatly from from the critics. So C plus isn't uh, is not a fantastic grade. Uh, prior to us going live and, and and on air, you had said in your theater uh, you you actually witnessed people were walking out. Oh, by the by the droves. By droves! Wow. And you know, I mean, I, I also said I would have loved to see. I like in hindsight, I would have taken note of when exactly they left left um only because like i i would have been curious to kind of kind of see that aspect of it but yeah it, one guy left and then all of a sudden it just it just opened up the floodgates eventually and by the time this was in a big theater so when you started you start off with a lot of people by the time you end and you look around you're like this is a ghost town did the predator wow. kill you guys like it, the predator literally killed them off <laughs> That's great. Nobody left, or at least that I witnessed leaving uh, when I saw it. I saw it uh, last Sunday, so you know it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I you know it, I don't know what people were necessarily expecting. I mean, personally, I found it to be better than the two uh, Alien vs Predator movies, and even better than the there was a movie called Predators. Uh, I, I thought it was uh, a better movie than that. If you were expecting it to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie, well, uh, that's I guess that's on you. It's not that necessarily. Um, and yes, it's very blue. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is, you know, it pushes. It's rated R. It is not PC from a dialogue standpoint. Um, I liked the characters. I, You know, like I said... Sometimes movies can just be fun. They don't have to be masterpieces. Uh, I I had fun watching uh, this iteration of The Predator. I will say, I think the budget was way too high. Eighty-eight million. Eighty-eight million. I I think go around sixty. But then, so um, 
Penske Business Media, they, they have an article, and they cite the overall budget, including advertising, $208 million. See, that's a lot of money. That, I don't, I, I... Listen, I, I can't verify that it's right or wrong, but I can verif- I can point you in the direction of this article and say this is what they're stating the entire budget is. I mean, I know that we know, and we talked about this, that there had to be some reshoots. Um, you know, I mean, I'm looking at less than 200 from a, from a P&A standpoint. I don't know, there wasn't a ton of advertising that I can recall, like it was. I don't remember a, seeing a single trailer before this movie had come out. I saw a trailer, but you know, I mean, what did you say? Two hundred and what? Two hundred eight. Listen again. Yeah, that's what, I mean, I, I I'm just going to have it penciled in. I had it penciled in at about a hundred and fifty mm-hmm. plus, but you know, and here's the thing with me too. Since it was going to be at Toronto, and I had actually this conversation with people at Fox. I said, oh, you guys must be pretty high on this Predator. Like, why else would you be showing it in Toronto? Like, well, why? I mean, if you have a bad movie, you, it, there's no... It's a lose-lose situation. If you have a bad movie and you're going to be showing it in a place that gets a lot of publicity in the movies, a lot of reviews come out for movies, like, you wouldn't intentionally put in a bad movie so i really felt that fox was standing behind this movie that they felt they had the goods and then i had heard like you know it didn't do so well and i'm like well why did you bother showing it like seriously like because when you're in a film festival and you're a movie of this caliber it's not like you're looking for distribution you're just looking for press and I can tell you this, just from working my my studio experience, right? You know, like when you have a bad movie, you just you just do. I mean, your inv- execs are invited to screenings well before the movie's released, and you can watch that movie and go, oh "My God, what are we going to do with this? This is horrible." They had a finished product before going to Toronto. I mean, if anybody was, like, smart, they would have said, eh, you know what, let's just release this like a movie. Like, this doesn't need the added press in Toronto. Huh. And, um, you know, I don't know. It, it doesn't it didn't like, help. And also just action movies generally. Like, I can't remember the last time I've heard of an action movie coming out of a film festival. It, it, Overall. It's not a genre that does well. But at the same film festival, they showed Halloween, which we'll dive into more Horror after. Horror is different. But, you know, again, though, you wouldn't... Uh, the way I look at it is, why show something that is even mediocre? Point. It's something that gets that you're not looking for distribution. You're really just showing it to get publicity out of it. And if it's, if it's mediocre at best, why even bother? Why spend the money? Because, A... You're spending a ton of money to put talent up. They're going to Toronto. You're flying them in private jets, no doubt. You're putting them up in really nice hotels in Toronto. They got to do press up there. They're going to come out to introduce the movie. They're going to do a red carpet. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money right there. So maybe it was 200 I mean, you when you throw in to do a festival, and 
knowing that you only have a mediocre like kind of a movie, what's your game plan? What are you thinking? Just release it like a regular movie. Yeah, maybe it was, it. maybe it was meant to throw people off. <laughs> I don't know. It threw me off because <laughs> once I found out it was going to Toronto, I, I did believe. I said, "Well, Fox must have the goods." Like, because why else would they? Why would they show a bad movie? So yeah. I went and go, and I was excited. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh!" And then I read all the reviews. I'm like, "The hell are they thinking?" Thirty five percent Rotten Tomatoes. Well, overall, right now, uh, let's let's round up sixty eight million. Worldwide gross, about thirty-two million as of right now in the U.S. Yeah, um, so I mean it, it did come in at number one, but it's a slow. You know, we, schools back in session, schools back in. This is rated R. Um, your Thursday night preview nights are not going to be as big as they used to be, uh, and so you know, even though it was number one with twenty-four. Point six million dollars. That's you know they're saying, oh well, it's a very slow weekend at the box office, and yeah, it is compared to like when you're looking at what summer box office is. So um, yeah, at the end of the day, who knows? Sixty uh, seven. I mean, fifty three percent of that though came from foreign, so yeah. it's a little bit higher than uh, than than the, than the domestic. I think eventually it could. I don't know, in one way, shape, or form. Who knows if it'll make its money back. I don't foresee there being another movie, though. Not for a while. Not no. w- not unless we get a reboot. Yeah. I don't think so. All right. Well, that does it for our coverage today of The Predator. I'm sure there's lots of other stuff we could have talked about. But uh, let us know in the comments section. We are always happy to discuss and converse with you there. In the meantime, you can also interact with us on a more personal level. Well, and there was a gentleman on Twitter. Uh, I don't have him, but but he asked us. He actually reached out to our Twitter feed, to all of us, to Marissa, to you, myself. And he said, are you guys going to do The Predator? He seemed very excited. So I know that there's another person out there who liked the movie like I did, <laughs> at least. So there's two of us who enjoy The Predator. There you, <laughs> there go. you go. And thanks for tweeting. Like, it was actually sort of kind of cool that somebody was like, hey, you guys going to cover this? Uh, I appreciate the fandom. Well, speaking of which, next week we will cover White Boy Rick and the house with the clock in the wall. Yes. Is what it's called. (laughs) This is uh, (laughs) one of those titles I'm going to say multiple times until it fully sticks. In the meantime... I saw the movie, so uh, all I'm going to say about it is do this. Do yourself a favor and go see the movie in IMAX. See it in IMAX because for one week only... A 3D IMAX version of Michael Jackson's thriller in its entirety. It's 15 minute because it is a short film directed by John Landis. Is on the head of right. the the um, the house of the clock and its walls, and it's very much worth it. All right. So. Uh, also, so uh, Dimitri is at dmovie1701, so you yeah. can always ask him questions there. Please. I'm at Phil Svitek, and Marissa this time is in the booth. She is at Serafini TV. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.
The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.